Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. So I definitely want to send a big shout out, you know, to everybody for the holidays. I want to send a big hug to everybody, you know, whatever, whatever you guys may be going through. I know it could be a stressful time, but at the same time, um, there's so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for, man. And, um, you know, the holidays usually bring out the best in people. So that's something that I could definitely appreciate. And, you know, each one teach one, man. Pat, pat, pass on the love, the kindness, the respect, the appreciation for one another. And, uh, you know, we, we make the world what we want, you know, like they say if you want to be the change that you want to be so um you know i definitely want to send a big big shout out to my man bales too because them boys came bearing gifts last last week thank you for that appreciate that big shout out to my man tony rizzo at south smith smooth studios that's my man's and uh you know today we got a, a guest man this this brother here is you know this is my brother man and uh you know we've been through the trenches together and uh you know i'm honored to have this brother here and um, to share his story, you know, and, I, and I'm honored to, to be able to be a part of it. So um, without no further ado, I'm going to let my brother Pat Bates let him know a little bit about yourself. Hi, how y'all doing? I'm Pat Bates, a community activist, also a member of University of Michigan's Carceral State Project and the creator of a Living on LOP YouTube series, What I Learned in Prison. Um, Definitely, if you guys ain't checked that out, go to YouTube. Check out Living on LOP, you know. What would you do, episode 12? Yeah, I did Up episode 12. That's crazy. You did 12 episodes of Living on LOP, and he on the 12th episode of Real Everyday People. Wow. Um, that wasn't even intentional. That's The crazy. Dirty Dozen, baby. The Dirty Dozen. That's dope. Yup. So let them know, man. You know, let them know a little bit about yourself, who you from. I mean, where you from, you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm from... Um the Detroit metro area slash down river area. Okay, then. You know, I was born in southwest Detroit, and then I am um, was raised up on River Rouge, Ecorse area. Also, you know, traveled a little bit through Lincoln Park. I, mean, I can I can definitely re- relate, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I done traded through them fields just as much as you, baby. I'm very oh, well man. aware, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So what was it like for you, man? You know, and, and, and before we go on, big shout out to the River Rouge Panthers. You know what I'm saying? 2019 yes. champions. Much yes. love to Riverside. Yep, yep, uh, yep. You should have been a Panther. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. So uh, so what was it like, man, growing up in River Rouge? Like, like where, where was you born? Tell us a little bit about your parents, your mother, your father. You know what I mean? Okay, so, well, like, I really didn't know nothing about my father. I was, you know, I was taken from my mother. Well, I ain't going to tell you, I was given up for adoption at the age of three years old. Okay. So I was raised by my great aunt and great uncle. Okay. All right. You know what I'm saying? In, in, in the southwest Detroit area. Then we moved to uh, to E-Course. Lived in E-Course for uh, several uh, years. Moved back to southwest. Made a, st- made a stop to LP. And then I ended up moving back to Southwest again and then the River Rouge. Okay, so you just pretty much ping pong bounce back and forth everywhere. Yes. You know, I, I could definitely relate because uh, I, I bounced around just like that. But, you know, the thing about that is, um, you know, when you move around a lot, you know, it's hard to find some stability, you know, and you get used to being on the move, 
you know, it's hard to find, it's hard to settle anywhere because mm -hmm. you're always on the move. Mm -hmm. And when you live a lifestyle like that, sometimes, you know, that, that affects you mentally because you don't really know how to attach. You learn how to attach and detach, you know what I'm saying? Or sometimes you just never attach anymore. And that, and that's the unfortunate part of it. But there's a flip side to it, how we had discussed right. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's a flip side of that coin, right? With the with this when when you talk about moving around being stable, to me it was it had a more of a positive effect on me. Like mm -hmm. it really prepared me for my future. Like it it allowed me to engage with like a whole uh, like several different worlds, and and then and then be able to find community within those worlds. You know, that's that's pretty much how how I looked at it, and um. Like even like I was very very well able to adapt from from being raised that way from having to being ping ponged around these areas you know absolutely okay so so you went to River uh, school in River Rouge what was uh -huh. it like going to school in River Rouge for you well River Rouge was like it was a little bit different being that like it was a it was a great school like I, I played sports I ran cross country I played I played uh. I played uh, baseball in high school with your brother. You played who? Bart Morris. Yep. Shout out to Bart. What's up, bro? Yep. Panther Pride. I remember him and my brothers though. Boy, them boys were professionals. They had Cole, the pictures. Great athletes. Great huh? athletes. Great ain't, athletes. Ain't no doubt I mean, about but it. the city always, you know, we always develop athletes. Yeah. You know, but like me, it was a little bit of a different experience than probably from others because. Like, there wasn't very Latinos in, in the River Rouge community at that time. No, yeah, there was very few. So it was like, you know, I like, I really didn't fit in really like, well, actually I did. I really, I found my way in, like, I found my way to fit in with, with more like the people that I was raised with, which was, 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 um, with black, with other black kids. Okay. Mm hmm So... It's the same with me, you know, going to school in River Rouge, you know, I done went to Sabbath, Rouge, all that. And it was diverse, but it was more diverse with black and white as opposed to, you know, any Latinos. Mm -hmm. So, you know, of course, you know, uh, uh, black culture is is, is, is is very influential right. in, in, in our communities, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it starts from going to school, even in the Southwest, you know, it's always been a little bit diverse, you know what I mean? But like in Rouge, um, it, I felt like we brought you know the 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 the, uh, the the special blend to Rouge. You know what mm. I'm saying? When we brought the the Latino flavor, you know what I'm saying? We created a whole new Riverside. You yeah, know? we did. We did. <laughs> no, we did. but we we'll talk a, about that later. Though, yeah, we, I mean, we was in a category our own. Like that's 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 really how I found. Like that's really how I found. Like even when I met you, like you was one of the few Latinos that was in the River Rouge area. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So yeah. I was like, you know, so somehow we just gravitated to each other, you know, oh, in that yeah, aspect absolutely. of it, you know? Yeah. But I tell you what, man, it just, you know, I, what I love about diversity, it teaches you so much. Uh -huh. Like, it, it teaches you diverse social skills, communication skills. You learn different value systems, you know. You learn a lot from, you know, living in black communities, living in, in, in white communities, living in Latino communities. And there's mm -hmm. even so much diversity within the Latinos communities, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to be have that cultural awareness about yourself because you can always move around. You can navigate more places because there's so many people who, who are just comfortable and sitting in one place and it's unfortunate because there's so much that the world has to offer like life is really beautiful but you'll never see it if you don't ever open up your mind you know so um so you you were playing sports and all that good stuff you know mm -hmm. who, who who were some of your, like your heroes that you look up to give me one 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 person you looked up to in baseball and one person you looked up to in basketball basketball was uh was michael jordan 
Okay. The greatest. All right. Bulls fan. The NBA wouldn't be the same as far they wouldn't even be able to branded the NBA the way it was it was for Michael Jordan. Okay. Baseball <clears throat> was Ken Griffey Jr. I love Ken Griffey Jr. I used to you know, I used to I used to hustle to, to make money to buy Ken Griffey Juniors and Jordans, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. because I thought they were great. So, you know what I'm saying? Coming the way come the way they come made me feel like, okay, I'm gonna be great, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it, bro. So what was it like, bro? Because I know you said that your great aunt and uncle, like they were already elderly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So with them raising you, like what was that like? Like what kind, you know? It was it was a real strict, a real strict home. Like, like, I, like they were very religious. They, they pretty much forced religion on me. But at the same time, it was hard for them to like, parent. they loved me. They, they, they had, they ruled with a lot of love. But they also ruled with an iron fist, you know what I'm saying? So they weren't they weren't buying it. They had an old school mentality. But they were like they they were good people. It's like, but it was hard for them to keep up with a child like that with so much energy. And I wasn't just a regular child then. Mm -hmm. Like I had a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of ambition at a young age. I was always getting into some type of mission mm -hmm. constantly, you know what I'm saying? So it was hard for them to keep up with me. So I mean, by the time I was probably you know, 12, I mean, probably by the time I was about eight, nine years old, I already really know where I wanted to go in life. By, by the time of 12, 13, I could actually pursue those, you know, where I was, was going. You already in motion. Yeah, I was already in motion, so, you know, and I was out of the house and pretty much on my own back and forth, you know, not that they didn't. So did help. you graduate? No, I didn't graduate. Oh, you didn't graduate? I okay. actually, I actually did poorly in school. That's that's the craziest thing about it. I did so poor in school, like I was at the bottom, even when, like when they did my pre-census investigation, it was like, I'm at, I was like in the real, real lot. I barely went to school. I skipped school a lot. You know, I was really pretty much in the streets. Mm -hmm. But I, and it wasn't that I wasn't intelligent though, because when I went to prison, I hurried up and passed the GED immediately. Bro. Immediately. I didn't even study anything. I'm like, where I get this from? You know what I'm saying? So then when I started taking courses, college courses while I was inside, I was like, like I, I may, I, I stayed on the dean's list, may, maintain the four point oh. You know what I'm saying? Man, you're giving them too much, Pat. We're gonna know, get man. to it, baby. What I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's ironic that I did so poorly in high school. The whole point was I did so poorly in high school, but it was like I had the intelligence the bro, whole time. This, I just focused it on the streets. It just wasn't our focus, bro. That's true. Listen, bro, exactly. I went to the joint, and within the first year or two, bro, I already had my GED. I was graduating right. and everything, bro. And, 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 and like I said, I just didn't apply myself. <laughs> no, not at all. Once I was in school, I had a different focus, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and we were really intelligent. You know, being in that place, even though a lot of people look at prison as one of the worst places you can be, I'll tell you what, man, if you built to last, you're going to get your, the best results that you can out of that place, man, because it's going to put you under the most pressure. It's going to test your heart, test your mind, test your spirit, test you physically, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm, you know, I just, I thank God, man, that we made it through that, and we here today, and we have our freedom, man, you know what I mean? I mean, there's so much living proof of people that came came out of prison that's been great, right? Like, man, Nelson Mandela Nelson did. Mandela, Nelson boy. Mandela did prison time, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul did prison time. Most of the the uh, majority Jesus. Jesus, Jesus Jesus locked up and sentenced to the death sentence. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, with the murderer the, and the yeah, thief. The, you know, majority of the New Testament was was written inside of incarceration. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Even in the Bible times that we, you know, religions that we draw up on so much. How'd you that. get familiar with the Bible? Was that through your 
great aunt and uncle. Yeah, because I was like I said, I was being forced going to uh, to go to church when I was real young. Like I really used to like really be a firm believer. You know what I'm saying? And everything that was in doctors didn't be through the um, the Baptist church at that time. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't still hold a lot of those. I still hold a lot of those morals to this day, though. Actually, okay, yeah, absolutely. It, it can be used as a guidebook for sure. You know. Mm -hmm. So tell me one thing. What's one of your favorite verses out of the Bible? Um, one of my favorite verses would probably be John ten nine. Okay. I am the door. He that enters through me, walks through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, that's powerful. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, he enters in through me. I'm sorry, I almost misquoted. That. Enters in through me. So. So now you at the age where you know you 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 the people who are raising you your great aunt and uncle you know they're already elderly they can't really you know control you too much you running wild um, how, what what grade did you make it up to I made it to tenth grade I don't even grade. know how I did that probably from okay. just going to school yeah all right you know how the system works so what happened after that what like after you left school then what I mean like even like all through <laughs> middle school. And up, like, I never took school seriously, right? I was, like, hustling, you know what I'm saying? I was really doing most of my, like, to work, to get my school clothes, because my, my aunt and uncle, they didn't believe in, like, name brand stuff, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So they would buy they would buy me the bare minimum when it comes to that. Not that they ain't love me. They just ain't believe in buying nobody no lot of no expensive clothes, and they couldn't afford it anyway. Mm -hmm. So... I started trying to, I need to figure out a way to look like the other kids in school. You know what I'm saying? So I started hustling. And I was doing that all throughout school. And well, once I started, I was selling crack cocaine and um, yeah, marijuana yeah. and uh, ecstasy pills probably towards the end. Okay. Yeah, like... I mean, it was it was just. I mean, were you selling crack to the students in the school or, or like. No, I was selling I was selling crack to. um. Older individuals around my community, like at that so, time, so I've never so seen you, a younger, young person like smoke crack in my era. Like it was, mm -hmm. it, you know, it was. It but was it's crazy that, that a young, a young, a young man could be selling crack to his elders, and I right. think, and I think that that's a big problem. And what created a big gap in these generations mm -hmm. is when you got the teenagers selling selling drugs to the elders, the parents, the mothers, the fathers, the aunts, and stuff like that. Because, you know, they have, a lot of people have had a big lack of disrespect, a big lack of respect for their elders mm -hmm. due to the fact that I serve you, I'm serving you dope. So I, I, I look at you like, you know, like, like you beneath me. I'm better than you because, I, you know, you use drugs. I sell drugs. So, and I see that in, in like, because, you know, back in my days, like when I was growing up, I always listened to all of my uncles and the advice, my stepdad, you know, my elders, whether it was right or wrong, I still, you know, soaked up the advice, you know what I'm saying? But nowadays, like they don't have any respect for them, so they don't even want to hear what they have to say. But I'll tell you what, this generation, they are very intelligent. You know what I'm saying? They are very powerful. They know what they want and they know what they don't want. They know what's real from fake. And if and, and, and if they see they're real in you, they're gonna salute you. They're gonna recognize you, and they're gonna and, and they're gonna definitely and salute you. The, the, yeah, I, they're intelligent. And are they wrong for feeling that way about these adults? Because this is the evidence that they see. You know what I'm saying? Like uh -huh. you, like you said, really uh, to strengthen that. This is the evidence they see. So are they wrong for being, you know? That's that's the only evidence they see is that. Yeah. 
So now you in the streets, you know, mm-hmm. this is what you're doing to make money. Right. Who like who was mentoring you? Like who like who guided you on that? You know, who who taught you that lifestyle? Well, a lot of us a lot of it was self taught, like from environment. Like I watched a lot of my environment. Like I was already like in the swing of things and I was figuring it out through trial and error as I was going along. Um and I had went to the youth home. I mean, like, I, I mean, I was, of course, I was mentored by, like, by like older individuals around me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like, I kind of pushed my way into that because they was like, man, if you don't get get your little ass out of here, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You ain't, you know what I'm saying? I, like, like when I was that age, I looked to two, three years younger than I actually was too. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. So it was like I was a, ba- well, I, I was a baby. You know what I'm saying? And everybody, everybody kind of loved me, but at the same time, like I wasn't trying to starve neither. So they understood that. So it was never really like no pressure from it, but there was a somewhat mentorship. Guys that show me, you know, give me a little game here and there. Mm-hmm. And I, but I still ended up getting caught up and getting a lot of trouble. So the mentorship was, you know, if you, you know, to so say you the least, got right. locked up as a juvenile as well, right? Yes, yes, I've been locked up several times as a juvenile. My first arrest was at uh, nine years old. Damn, nine years. Yeah, old. I was throwing was rocks terrible. at I was throwing rocks at a building over on High Street and shit. Hey, way back. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. But you know, you're gonna be all right, man. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? For sure. Life life is 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 always evolving. Life is always about growing, learning, trial and error, growing pains. We all humans, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And uh, you know, just embrace growth, man. Embrace change, you know what I'm saying? And just and just cultivate the goodness in you, man. I say it every time because that's what I had to do to get to where I'm at today. And uh, you know, you have the ability. If you don't like where you at, not feeling like your situation, if there's something that you don't like about yourself, change it. You have the ability to do that. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's all up to you. Quit relinquishing your power to other resources. You are the source. Exercise yourself. And uh, so now you say you out of school. You in the streets. You getting money. Um, how old were you when me and you met? Um, I believe I was probably. 13, maybe 14, maybe 14. 14 years old. I remember I see you walking straight down Pleasant Street. Yeah. Peace Street. I said, those little yeah. basket, dude. Look sweet, too. Yeah. That little Air Force Ones on. Yeah, yeah. Little Jabos. I said, what's up, little dog? Dude, they walk, worked hard, risked my life in them little Jabos at Air Force Ones <laughs> back there, too, boy. Goddamn. Had his little pangs on you. Yep. That's okay. That's okay. Pocket full of rocks, pocket full of bags of weed, man. I thought you was, I was like, man, what's up with dog, man? Let me holler at him. Can you see what's up with him? Then, like, right after that, you went up and got locked up and went to juvenile, man. Yup, I went to juvenile. You know, I mean, like I said, that, that that's a whole experience. We could do a whole nother show on the, on the system, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah. okay, need to say I was a juvenile, you know, greatly affected by that. I came home, ran back into you. You was uh, That time probably was around four months. No, at that yeah, it was probably around four months. I got out, and, and at that age, four months is a long time. You know, I ended up doing. I went to a six month boot camp too. You got to think you ain't been you ain't been on the on the planet for a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fourteen years old. You know what I'm saying? Fifteen years old. Yeah. So then I remember what what what, what you say we ran into at Rouge days. Yeah. We ran into yeah. Each other and got back out. Yeah. I got I got out sent you at Rouge days and shit, man. And it was all love. He was like, "What's up, man? Come here, man." I'm like, "What up, man? What's up? We uh, we still working?" 
You know what I'm saying? He was like, yeah, all day, come through, man. He was like, come see me tomorrow, man, next day. Like, I sent you that night, though, because you know I was rolling around the streets. You outside. I said, my dog, little Miracle, he's a little orphan. Let me get my little dog. Yeah, like for real, though. Like for real, I was. My dog ain't like, he ain't got no family. Like, he ain't rocking with nobody. He just, you know what I'm saying? He was solo, man. I said, man, you know what, man? Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I see something in you. I see some potential in you, some growth in you, some maturity in you. I said, man, let me take this little brother in. And like I said, like I pretty much, like the love I had was from, like, you know, like I said, the elderly people that are very strict. Yeah, and like so, so pretty much how I grew up though beyond that it was like fended for myself you know what I'm saying it was really wasn't no love I didn't really see no love in my environment besides you know the two people that you know they couldn't be attentive to me as they couldn't be attentive to me like they should have been and you know what man I know a lot of people who were not raised with love and affection you know what I'm saying and and I'll tell you what bro like I was raised by a single mom and my mom, that was one thing that we, we grew up poor, but we were wealthy with love. We were rich with love. My mom always showed us affection, you know what I'm saying? She always expressed how much she loved us. And, and, and that stuff is priceless, you know what I'm saying? Because when you tell your kids those type of things, it makes them feel uh, valued, you know what I'm saying? And then they grow up with that type of value and confidence, you know, with love in their heart, you know? So Send a shout-out to Jose and... You got, you got Pudo on here, yeah. you got shout out to all that, you love. Pudo, what's, what's up, up, brother? Appreciate you, boy. Jose Pudo Burgos, what's up, my guy? What's up? Ain't Jose no Rivera, what's up, my baby? Building. We out here Detroit, building, baby. We out Detroit forever, y'all know what it Lit is, Music man. Entertainment Studios, Real Everyday People. I also want to give a shout out to these artists that's out there, man. Chase a Bag, ENT, man, Don Rico, man, it's all love, man. Shout out, baby, what's up? Boys got a movement Support going each on, other, man. man. Sure. Everybody got to support Zaza each other. Wine. You know what I'm saying? Juan Juan. Absolutely. Got a shout out to him, man. You know. Gio Carrasso's. And it's a man down in my city. My man Gabe. New artist I just got. You know, I'm also uh, been working on some management lately. And know. shout out to my dog Vito too, man. Oh, yeah. Look, Vito. Vito, I'm coming for you. I think I'm going to go ahead and sign Vito on the dotted line, man. Real <laughs> soon, man. With this management firm, man. And like, and uh. Big shout out to Sound Smith Studios, man. Absolutely. I can't say how talented <clears throat> that guy Tony Rizzo is on. You know what I'm saying? I know, bro. I just went and seen the studio. It was beautiful in there. I took Jose with me. It's mm -hmm. definitely nice, man. You know? Which I am managing. If anybody looking for studio time with the with the best uh with the best engineer in in Michigan, man, holla at me, man. For real. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> you know, it's a story in itself, bro. You know, yeah, once you sure. and I once you and I got together, we never separated from there. Bro. No, after that, after and that night, we after that night we seen each other at the damn carnival. After mm -hmm. that night, we it was supposed to be the next day. We was like, no, let's go ahead and get it. We never left each other's side after that. You know what I'm saying? So, it, so for for our viewers, I just want them to know that, um, you know, I call this real everyday people because we we are real people with real stories. And the stories that I'm sharing with you and that we're about to share with you is not to glorify violence, gangs, drugs, or anything like that. But that was a true real lifestyle that that that, that we lived at the time. It was a mentality, you know. It was a very self-destructive, but it was a, it was the way of life for us. You know, but, you know, since then, you know, we've grown a lot. We went, we paid our dues to society. I built a relationship with God. We've come home and, and we're thriving and doing our best, you know, to, to, you know, we found our purpose and now we're on a mission. So as we tell this story, I just don't want people to think that we're being insensitive to victims and, you know, of, 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 you know, 
of cases similar to ours, like murder cases. So, you know, my heart go to victims, to anybody, you know, who has lost a loved one this year, last year, you know, um, you know, my heart goes to you. But, you know, our, our story, you know, began when, when we got when we got with each other, you know, we started out as friends and he's became he became family, you know, and um, <clears throat> I, he had, he adopted into the lifestyle that I was already living. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up selling drugs. I grew up as a gang member. Um, you know, and, and that was my lifestyle. I was full-fledged in the streets. It's not to say that we were inhumane and I was incompassionate about people or, or, or about life, but I was unconscious at the time. And, you know, at the time, we lived a lifestyle where we sold drugs for a living. You know, we, we kept guns on us. We were willing to kill. We were willing to die. We were willing to rob you, whatever was necessary. You know, we had a mentality that only the strong survive. You know, live for the day because tomorrow's never promised. You know, and these are these are these are the value systems. These were the standards that we had. You know, kill or be killed first. You know that that that, that was a concrete jungle. These were our values and our principles and our moral system. And I had to go through a lot of transitions in my life to be able to get to where I'm at today. And thank God that I'm there. But you know, we did a lot of you know we did a lot of ugly things. Uh, you know, living a, according to the code of ethics of the streets. You know, and. Uh, you know, you know, we lived a life and, and, and um, you know, we, we, we bonded, we built a, a brotherhood, we became, you know, we became family for better or for worse, you know, and, um, and, and it's definitely been a journey. And, and uh, you know, but I, I you know, I feel uh, partially responsible for a lot of the things that happened to us because of the way that I taught him. You know, I taught him that it was okay to to think this way and to have guns and to shoot first and 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 you know to be you know to sell drugs to make a living and, and things like that and uh, you know so so with with what he already knew and then what what I taught him mm -hmm. we, it just took us to a whole nother level. I had lived in Chicago, I had lived in Los Angeles. He had bounced around here to there. We had great social skills. Mm -hmm. We both had charisma. <clears throat> we knew people from everywhere. Ev everywhere we went to Monroe, we went to Taylor. We were, you know, all over the place. And and uh, so that's that's what helped. That's what separated us from from the rest. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know, unfortunately, there was a day where you know things went wrong and somebody ended up losing their life. And um, <clears throat> and and and. Uh, and eventually we ended up in prison. I ended up serving a 17-year bid. Pat ended up serving a 17-year bid. And, uh, you know, let them, let them know what, what your life was like, my dog, and so how old you were. So I was 19 years old. <clears throat> like, when, the, when this crime that he's talking about was committed, I was 18 years old. And then um, shortly after, you know, service day was pretty much, it was a cold case pretty much thereafter. We uh we ended up getting caught up for the for the um and charged with uh first degree. I was actually murder. already in prison doing. And he two was years. already actually in prison for a two year gun case, <laughs> thinking he's coming right out. So we get charged for the murder. Get uh, I try to you know take the whole uh take the whole boatload of it, man. And but it didn't work out that way. You know what I'm saying? But you know, three of us stood tall. Me, myself. And, um, and uh, Michael Morgan, you know what I'm saying? Another guy um, broke bad on us, you know what I'm saying? God, God bless him. Um, I came, I came, I went inside real young at 19 years old through the bubble um, in, in Jackson quarantine. And uh, shoot, it was like, you know, I was a little guy, looked real young, 
You know what I'm saying? I was already mean as hell. So I had to be even more meaner when I went up, you know, when I came inside. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't want really nobody to try me. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it was like I would pick, I would look for, like, trouble to have just to, you know, to set some type of example. You know what I'm saying? But once again, I had good social skills mm -hmm. while I was inside. So I kind of thrived in that environment because, like, I really didn't have too many people. I had a few people. I had, like, the Rizzo family. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace, Phil. You talking about outside resources? Like yeah, as far as prison. Yeah, I didn't have that. Because you know when you go to prison, you really find out who your friends yeah, are. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know, who, here who, there, you who, know, they, who, who is replaceable here? Who's irreplaceable? Right. You know, the start. You know, I hate to use a cliche, but out of sight, out of mind is is. I mean, it's the best. It's the best way to look at it in that in that yeah. matter. But yeah, it was just you know, it was it was a hell of experience inside of prison. I got in a lot of trouble. While I was inside there, you know what I'm saying? I met a lot of great people, though, at the same time. Now, when you got in trouble, like, what is it that kept you into trouble? Uh, maintaining, trying to, um, pretty much trying to, you know, maintain the status while I was in there. And also, but the, but the main thing that got me in trouble was trying to make, you know, trying to make money. Even though I would succeed in doing it while I was inside, but it would it, it would it would get still get me in trouble in one way or the other. Like I resorted to all tactics to like make money while I was inside there, you know what I'm saying? Whether it was extortion, whether it was, you know what I'm saying, stealing, you know, uh whatever you could think of, gambling, you know, I heard, I heard you love that gambling. Oh, I love, I love, I you still was, love I heard you was running tickets. I heard you was uh, uh, running stores. Yeah, I was uh, doing all that. You yeah. know? I was doing all that, you know, because like I said, I didn't have that support. Mm -hmm. So I'm just doing it, same thing as when I was a kid. I'm just doing it to get school clothes and shit when I'm a, when I'm a little kid. And now I'm in prison, like, okay, I'm going to just do this to put food. Because, you know, when you're in prison, you get the bare minimum. You know what I'm saying? You're not treated like a human. You're treated like a straight dog, a couple trays, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm trying to maintain that. I'm trying to feel like a human again, right? But wait yeah. wait a minute. I forgot a minute. Wait a minute. You forgot. Pat's pretty good at doing this type of shit, though. So, you know what I'm saying? I maintained very well while I was in there. Mm, I don't want none of but that no But in the midst of that, in, in, in the midst of that, I, I ended up, like, really starting to calm down. I got tired of getting in trouble. I, st I got tired mm -hmm. of being in the trenches. So what I did, what well, actually what really set me down, I got STG. I got that's put. So it explain, on. explain to I'm, people I'm, what being STG is. So STG is um security threat group, uh, and, and they can do that to anything. They can just spite you and say they putting you on STG for something. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Whatever they don't like you, whatever. Um um, and it also could be for activity too, as well for gang activity. Okay. So what they do is they send you to a secluded place. They put you on double O status, which that's where you can't work, you can't do anything. Um, you only you only allow five phone calls a week. Um, you cannot can't use the JPay, which is the email back and forth to your people. Um, there's a, I mean, you can't get secure packs, so your people can't even help you more, even as much as they want to help you. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in a real dark space. You got your living up. Living I see. Up I see. I see. There. I see. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, that's sweet. So I, so I was in a real, I was in a real dark place at that time, you know. But I started really like, build, like reflecting then, you know what I'm saying? I was thinking about like every time I would go to the hole or get into any type of trouble, I would do a lot of reflection. I would come out a little better, but I still would be rough around the edges, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, what is it that you was discovering in there? Like, what, what were you seeking? What did you do? Well, you know, I was really, you? I was just, for, well, for one, I was. 
trying to discover being being feel, feeling alive because mm -hmm. like it's like you just walking around and just existing you feel there. like the living dead yeah, so i would try to find things to excite me you know what i'm saying things to make me feel like i'm alive and it would be little stuff like that like getting into stuff and figuring out ways to cause some type of chaos mm -hmm. i heard like, you pop somebody at a, at a poker table yeah, I pop. I mean, I pop a couple guys at a couple poker tables, man. I heard some real shit. I, you know hey, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, Brett. You know what I'm saying? Like on the real. I mean, I understand you say it's an ugly pat. You know, and all that. It was ugly in some matters, but like at the same time, you know, when when, when survival mode kicks in, or like when when you taught us to be a certain way, and this is what you learn, you have to actually unlearn that behavior. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So it takes. Where like like I was trying like I was trying to say like where I had to sit back and do some reflecting on myself and figure out why I'm like this and figure out like okay it's a cap to this like okay being the biggest gangster or whatever you want to be whatever whatever label you want to put it on it's like a cap to it you know what I'm saying like man there's something bigger so I, I ain't gonna say I morally really quit doing what I was doing because I just knew it wouldn't work too much longer. Mm -hmm. I got to figure out something bigger. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So what I did was start sharpening my mind up. I already knew I was intelligent. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I started sharpening my mind up and getting prepared. I got my de I got a degree okay. in, in, with Jackson mm -hmm. College. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I took every program I could while I was in there. You did some work with U of M too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I went on um, with PCAP, Prison Creative Arts yeah, Project. Yeah, part of that as well, yeah. Shout out to Creative Dr. Ash Ashley Lucas and Cozine Welch. What up, big shout out. Yeah, executive director of Brighter Way. <laughs> um, yeah, we, you know, I, I made connections with them, and when I came home, what I, what I did, what I learned was, with, through that program, was uh, it was theater. It was all improv, you know what I'm saying, theater, mm -hmm. and then we would, like, act out plays. And drama, the drama it was, classes, it, it, yeah. it was something, bro. So, if I learned, knew about that when I was, like, a kid, and had that, like, cultivated in me, God, man, the sky would have been the limit, man. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So I come home, and I got with I got with them, and I started finding out ways to, you know what I'm saying, serve myself and help out and reach back to, you know what I'm saying, people that's been through the same struggle as me. You know what I'm saying? That's really started, ended up being my passion in life, like activism and that aspect. So I got a job with the Carcel State Project for University of Michigan. That's, and I also dope. did a couple projects with the ACLU, with the Smart Justice Program, you know what I'm saying? Shout mm -hmm. out to Rick Speck um, for making that happen. So tell them a little bit about yourself uh, as far as like what you were able to accomplish since you've been home with the resources that you obtained while you were in prison. Okay, so like, like, like uh, I was talking about before the break, um, I, I, I made a connection with a, a professor, uh, uh, Dr. Ashley Lucas for the uh, University of Michigan. And I spoke on the panel and took the uh, PCAP training um, to uh, facilitate um, improv classes and uh, workshops while I was uh, in Ann Arbor at this place, uh, Miller Manor. Mm -hmm. So I did that and I also audited in her class and, you know, went under her mentorship. And like I said, uh, I want to give a I want to give another special thanks to Ashley for um, for um, all her help too as well. Um, then after after that, you know we I, we went on and went on and did another workshop in Detroit at Soundsmith Studios, which which was um it was it was it wasn't as successful as it could have been because coronavirus ended up happening. 
Okay. And um, so that that stopped a lot of uh, projects that, that we were working on. What the uh, workshop, the workshop at um at the Soundsmith Studios okay. that we were doing. All right. So how did uh, Living Out LOP come about? So then, I sat back. I, I was I sat back and thought about how, like, every we're using terms such as like social distancing and isolation, right? And I was like, damn, you know, no, who like. I know about being isolated, like, really well, you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of other people that are, not, like, that, that being isolated, like, for real, you know what I'm saying? The most. So I'm, so I'm, thinking, <laughs> about, I'm thinking about that, like, okay, so who would be, I feel like people that's been incarcerated should be consultants on, 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 uh, on isolation, on any PTSD or any type of um, mm -hmm. um, negative effects of um, being isolated, right? So, I talked with Ashley about it. And we came up with this. We came up with the concept. We should have a, a YouTube series, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know where, where we would have formerly incarcerated individuals talk about being isolated inside prison. So we called it "Living on LOP," and it had a dual meaning. LOP, loss of privileges while you're in prison. You know, we know that's for a misconduct. You catch any type of ticket, but also put in the, in the term out here, loss of privilege. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like out here, people, you know, are, have lose prison. They lost the privilege yeah, just to be able to go to the barber, yeah. things of that. You know what I'm saying? So, so it was just things that you know maybe could motivate a few people, and you know that that haven't um, that haven't been isolated or anything like that, and also would give voice to a very oppressed people, such as formerly incarcerated and currently incarcerated individuals. Mm -hmm. So like you did, you did episode twelve. So like, mm -hmm. what's the future looking like? Is did you cap it at twelve? Are you working on it? We're we're, we're, we're discussing. Future? We're discussing right now doing a um like right now, like it's um it's it's sponsored by the uh, university and a brighter way, okay um, foundation. Mm -hmm. So um so we're wait we're waiting to see how you know how things get freed up and um. If we're gonna move forward next summer, but it's a lot of things that be tied up with this semester. If we worked mm -hmm. on it during the semester, so if we did uh, move forward, it has to be um, a summer thing. But uh, I can't wait. I'm, to I'm think looking to forward back to, to it, normal, yeah. bro. Because I'm looking forward to being able to do it. I'm hoping that we can do it this mm -hmm. uh, this summer, though. Even at the DHDC, like we got so many things lined up, so many great projects with local businesses. You know, like like there's so many and, and and like I'm doing a lot of hands-on work with the with a lot of the projects so I'm definitely looking forward to it man there's so many things that we're going to accomplish even with the podcast station you know like it, it you know I'm really looking forward to a bright future mm -hmm. but you know where we're at right now is we're going to um you know I always ask our guests if they can to bring something of sentimental value and share the story of it so you brought something with you and I want you to be able to share your story and why you know why why it means so much to you so like I like I don't really I've been gone and in prison for you know what I'm saying since I was re real real young so like and it wasn't really much I was gonna take with me I lost everything before I went to prison and it really wasn't nothing I would take with me so I took like but what I did take with me was you know my paperwork let let you let everybody know I stayed solid 100 100 no matter what mm -hmm. you know we ain't gonna do that no matter what um and I also took my pictures you know what I'm saying so I got this real old photo album from back in like oh two that I had with all my like original pictures like for people like this is my man Big Nori Noriega uh Rest in peace Capone, Big Nori yeah. Ramon uh Noriega Akaruli and that picture Rest in peace Big Nori 
Um, a good <clears> friend of. Um, this is my man Paco. This Paco out there, yeah. San Ignacio, Paco Camarena. Que onda, cabrón? Yeah. Him and his brother Somebody's Lean, rest in peace, Lean. Against his will. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Brothers with the ported. Yeah. You know, we send our love out there and uh, we help any way we can. And this is somebody that was like a great, we talked about people like that mentored me and been like, this is my man Phil Rizzo. Um, Philly Phil. Tony Rizzo's father. My man. That's the uh, owner of Soundsmith Studios. Like he was like a big support to me throughout like my life, you know what I'm saying? And it really um, hurt me when he passed away. So this is pretty much all I got left to feel right here. You know what I'm saying? I love Phil. Rest in peace, Phil. You know, I, I tell people all the time, man, treasure treasure your pictures, value them. Like, yeah, get them sure. printed out. Don't just store them in your phone because you could Absolutely. lose them. Anything can happen. Like, these are moments. These are This is what leads the legacy. This is what tells the story about your life. Uh -huh. These are pictures that you pass on. Like, every time I was having a bad day or just missing home or feeling homesick, whatever, like, first thing I did is I pulled out my pictures because it took me to a better place. Uh -huh. You know, and then a lot of the people I'm looking at, I didn't even get to come home and see because they had passed away. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like... Yeah. You know, my, my picture was my treasures. Like, I didn't care what the police took from me. Just don't touch my pictures because, you know, when I when I used to be in there, I used to ask my brother and my family, like, please send my pictures. Let me live through your eyes. Be my eyes for me, you know? So that was how I was able to escape and to be able to think big and dream big and see things different, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, sometimes when you're in prison, you get suffocated mentally, emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. physically, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, <clears throat> so you look for something to escape you look for something to release your spirit and that's what the pictures had always did for yeah. me you know it took me to a better place it helped me imagine it helped me dream you know yeah so so definitely man like i encourage people all the time like make sure that that, that that you print your pictures out and you sharing them with your family and you tell them who's who's cousins and aunts and uncles so they know the story because this is your legacy that you're leaving behind mm -hmm. So uh, what we're going to do, too, like we end every show, we're going to have a brother sign the, 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 the Wall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? Because he definitely got the fame. You know what I'm saying? My man, Thanks, Pat Bates, taking care of his business, man. Uh, I, want to, I, want to, I want to announce, man, you know what I'm saying? I want to announce I'm going to be a proud father. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got a daughter on the way daughter, in, in March, and I'm very proud of that, man. Ain't no doubt, man. Yo, congratulations, man. I'm going to be a uncle. And it got me upset Living in that very tell American dream Killing when you walking with that gangster lean Even though you know they go they all this This has been an episode of Real Everyday People Part of the El Nino Podcast Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook Every Monday night at 9pm Eastern And for full episodes The El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube